Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Joy Willette. So, um, yeah, we had, we had an awesome time at Intercessory Prayer yesterday. It's always fun to just come and just engage his presence and just see what he does. Like when we come and we don't have um, an agenda of what, you know, we feel like we need to accomplish or whatever, and we just let his presence and just him just lead. And, you know, Jesus is interceding at the right hand of the Father all the time. And it's like, hey, Jesus, what are you interceding about? And we just really press into the spirit of the Lord. Uh, It's just awesome to see what God does. He comes in and he does open heart surgery on us and you know like we were laughing on the floor and experiencing the joy of the lord and just glory and just the the oil of love and stuff it was just so so awesome but his presence is so good and every time we encounter his presence something changes like we don't stay the same when we encounter his presence his presence is so powerful so amazing and like that's that's what this is all about is like entering into his presence. He, he is the prize. He's everything. He's the goal. <laughs> and his presence is amazing. His presence is the atmosphere of heaven. Amen? His presence is healing. His presence is peace. His presence is freedom. But it's all about him. Amen? Um, so uh, the, the message this morning is called Confronted by Jesus. And so we're going to talk about that in a moment. Um, but one thing that, uh, that I want to make sure that we get across, that we, it's like I even need to hear this over and over and over and over again. So something that I want to encourage you in is that your heart is good. Your heart is good. You are good. Okay? If you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he reached in, he pulled out your heart of stone, and he put in a heart of flesh, Okay, you are now a new creation. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are good. You are gold. You are righteous. The core of who you are, the innermost being of who you are is awesome. Amen. Okay. Um, Now what happens is like the innermost core of who I am is like solid gold. It is righteousness, the righteousness of God. Okay. So what happens is that we take on layers of defense mechanisms, of pain, of lies that we believe, you know, what, whatever the thing is, we take on these layers, we try to cover up pain, and we try to hide, okay? But the truth is, is that we are righteous and we are gold at the center of who you are. Like, if you dig deep into, like, who am I really, you're going to find gold. Amen? Okay. So, starting with that preface. And this is like, that's what you are. That's who you are. Okay. Sometimes we spend our time in our relationship with Jesus. And it's almost like we're walking in this fantasy world where Jesus always has the most perfect thing to say to us. And we would never experience pain. And we would never, ever like, he just says words that make us feel comfortable and just like, Oh, you know, I love you and (laughs) tra-la-la, you know, and sometimes we have almost like this fantasy Jesus that he would never, you know, step on our toes or never, you know, want to get into our business. (laughs) And the truth is, is that that's not the Jesus of the Bible. Okay. Jesus was 
kind, and he is kind. And the Bible even says that God does nothing that doesn't involve kindness and truth. He's kind, but he's not always nice, okay? So kind is, you know, I'm going to be a kind friend. I'm going to tell you the truth when you need to hear the truth because I don't want you to experience pain. Nice is, I'm just going to be the nice guy, and I'm going to pretend everything's okay, and I'm actually going to lie to you and, you know, tell you everything's great when everything's not great, and I'm going to let you have boogers hanging out your nose and go about your day. That's nice, okay? So Jesus is kind. He is not always nice, okay? Jesus is not codependent with us, okay? He's not codependent. He doesn't tiptoe around our issues and try to keep us feeling comfortable. He's a good friend, Amen? He's a good friend. Now, (laughs) what you have to understand is that Jesus was very confronting with people. Okay? Now, we can be intimidated by that if we don't understand the heart of God. If we don't understand the truth that at our innermost core is gold, then we're going to be intimidated by the fact that Jesus wants to confront us because we're worried that his confrontation is ultimately going to lead to the truth that I am bad. Okay? And that is a lie from the enemy. Okay, Jesus is very confronting, but we have to understand the heart of God. He is not angry. He's not disappointed. He's not demanding, and he's not judgmental. Amen. Amen. He's a good dad, and we have to take a look at what it was that Jesus was always confronting in the Bible. Okay, what was he confronting, and why was he confronting it? So in the beginning of time as we know it, Adam and Eve messed up. And their solution for the shame that they felt when they messed up was to hide from God instead of seeking him as their source. That was their solution, okay? This is the problem that Jesus came to fix. He came to fix that separation. He came to fix what got messed up and to restore us into relationship with him, amen? So Jesus, we just thank you so much, Lord, for your heart. We thank you for how good you are. We thank you for truth. We thank you that you are the the way and the life, Lord Jesus. And I just ask, Father, that your anointing would just pour out on all of us, Lord Jesus, that you'd break yokes of bondage this morning, God, that you would set us free in your truth, that you would make us to know the truth and the truth that we know would set us free this morning, Jesus. And we just thank you so much for it, God. We welcome your fire. We welcome your glory. We say, yes, Holy Spirit. Come and invade this place in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Okay, so we need to figure out what was Jesus confronting? Why was he confronting it? Jesus was always confronting hiddenness. Hiddenness. Okay? Think about the woman at the well. Okay? Here's the woman at the well. Here comes Jesus. She's going to feel so comfortable, and they're going to hold hands, and he's not going to say anything to offend her or step on her toes. No. He comes to her and says, actually, you know, you, you don't have a husband. You've had five, and the one you're with is not even your husband, okay? So why did he do that? Like, why would he confront that to her? That probably didn't feel very nice. She was probably a little like, ugh, he knows my business. Oh, no, you know, Okay. So the reason he confronted that is because she doesn't have what she needs. She's hiding behind something that she thinks is going to help her. She's hiding behind uh, the approval of men in her life. And he says, stop hiding behind that and stop hiding yourself from me. I see you. Amen? What you actually need is living water. You actually need me. 
So stop hiding behind these things. Amen? Okay? Uh, the rich young ruler. You know the rich young ruler? <laughs> Jesus confronted him. He actually went away sorrowful. Did you know that people actually, like, Jesus would say something to them and they, it would make them sad, okay? But it's because he's confronting something. The rich young ruler is like, I'm so obedient. Look at how obedient I am. I've kept the law. I've given my money. You know, I've done all these things or whatever. And Jesus confronts him and he says, actually, there's, there's one more thing that you're not doing. You have to give all your possessions to the poor. And so what was he doing? Was he trying to shame him in front of people? No. He's like, no, actually, you're hiding behind self-righteousness. You're hiding behind what you think is your ability to keep the law. And I know what you're actually hiding behind. You're hiding behind that you feel prosperous. You're hiding behind money. And you're hiding behind self-righteousness. So for your own good, I'm going to confront the hiddenness. I'm going to say, actually, what you need is me. I'm your source. Your money's not your source. Make sense? Okay? The Pharisees, he called them whitewashed tombs. (laughs) Not super encouraging, right, sometimes, okay? What he's telling them is you're hiding behind self-righteousness. You're hiding behind judgment, comparison, and hypocrisy. You are dead. Your whitewashed teams, you're dead inside, and you don't even know it. So I'm confronting what you're hiding behind because what you actually need is a savior, and you don't even know. You don't even know the condition of your own heart. Amen? He's confronting out of love. He's confronting so they'll get what they need. Peter says, I will follow you anywhere, Jesus. I would die for you. And then Jesus confronts me. He says, actually, you're going to deny me three times before the night's over. Okay? Again, like, how do you think Peter felt in that moment? It's like, oh, how could I? I would never. (laughs) Right? But Jesus was confronting him. You're hiding behind your own devotion and how much you think you love me. You can't hide behind that. That's not going to be a source to you. That can't be an identity for you. What you need is my love for you. You need my devotion to you. Amen? He's confronting so he can give them what they need. James and John. You know John, the disciple whom Jesus loved? You know they wanted to destroy a whole city? <laughs> they went to a city. They got rejected, you know, you know, torn down or whatever. And they probably got offended. And they said, let's just light it up. Let's call down fire and let's just burn them all up. And Jesus confronts them and says, you don't know what spirit you are of. Okay? How would that feel to you, Angela? You don't know what spirit you are of. If I confronted you with that, it would be like, oh, that's very confronting. That's pretty in your face. Right? But it's the truth and it's the truth in love. It's like, you don't know what spirit you're of. You're hiding behind, like, it's your pride that got hurt. And now you're trying to hide behind pride by like, oh, look at the power of God that I can wield, you know. And it's like you can't hide behind that because what you actually need is love, forgiveness, mercy. That's what my heart is. Amen? And then Martha. Martha, you're worried about many, many things. You're hiding behind busyness. You're hiding behind striving. And you're hiding behind codependency. You're doing all these things and you think that you have to. And it's like you actually don't have to. Okay? What you need is to be present in my presence, is what he says. So he's confronting the hiddenness, and he's bringing the truth of what they need. So what is the solution? Let's put up on the screen Acts 3.19. Acts 3.19 says, Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So let's just keep that up there for a little bit. Um, This is 
prophesying the time when Jesus would come. I believe that's an Old Testament scripture or whatever. It's talking about the time when Jesus would come. So we are now in the time of refreshing officially, okay? Once your sins have been wiped away, you don't need them to be wiped away and wiped away and wiped away. It's like all of sin has been wiped away from you. It doesn't affect who you are anymore. Amen? But let's look at this. So what are the verbs here? The verbs are repent, return, be wiped, and then refreshing is going to come. And where does refreshing come? From the presence of the Lord. Okay? So again, repent, return, be wiped, and refreshing comes. Okay? What does repent mean? Repent means think differently. Change your mind. Okay? So repent. Think differently. Return. Return to my presence. Be wiped. I'm going to perform for you. Amen? I'm going to perform for you. I'm going to wipe you clean. And then I'm going to refresh you. And the refreshing comes from where? The presence of the Lord. Okay? So, when we have something that we're hiding behind, when we have some issue, when we have something that we feel like we've screwed up, what do we need to do? Go clean up on our own? No. We want to think differently, return to his presence, let him wipe us clean, and then we're refreshed in his presence. Amen? So Ethan, when he was a baby, um, he would have poopy diapers, and I don't know why, I don't know where he got it from, but he would get super ashamed, and he would try to hide the fact that he had a poopy diaper. So we would kind of see him, and, and we would just like, oh, Ethan, are you, do you have a poopy diaper? And he would go, you got poopy diaper. <laughs> and that was like his retort. He'd be like offended. He got found out that he had a poopy diaper. He's like, you got poopy diaper. And so for the longest time in our house, like that was the retort for everything. It's like if someone like, you know, ribbed somebody, it's like, you got poopy diaper. Okay. So uh, sometimes that's our response. It's like we want to put up this defense. It's like, no, I didn't do anything wrong. Okay. I messed up. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not bad. I'm not, I'm not bad. It's okay. No, I don't. No, you, you, what about you? You know, like that's our defense mechanism sometimes. Okay. So I love how it says be wiped because I'm in diaper land and that's where my brain goes. I'm like, think differently, return to the presence of God, let him wipe you clean. (laughs) And then you will be refreshed just like my baby's refreshed after a clean diaper. Okay. Lord, I bring you my dirty diaper. (laughs) Right. Because when a baby tries to change his own diaper, it just makes a bigger mess. I know this, unfortunately, from true life experience. (laughs) We make a bigger mess when we try to clean ourselves up. We create more mess. We create more pain. We cover up lies with more lies and more lies and more lies. And all it does is put us in a worse state than we were in the first place. Okay? So that word refresh, um, it literally means a cooling breeze. It means to recover from the effects of heat, recovery of breath, and to relieve, okay? Now, what I love about this is that it talks about when Jesus comes, you're going to have times of refreshing. You're going to have times of this cooling breeze. You're going to have times that helps you to recover from the effects of heat. You're going to be relieved. That's the season that we are in, 24-7. We're in refreshing season the moment we step into into his presence, amen? Okay? What I love about this is when Jesus came, he's actually restoring something. So do you remember back in Genesis when it says that God walked in the garden in the cool of the day? 
right? In the cool of the day, it's like that cool, that cool breeze, that refreshing, okay? And Adam had sinned, and Adam, Adam and Eve had sinned, and they were hiding themselves from God. So they missed their opportunity to walk in the cool of the garden with God because they were hiding themselves because they messed up. So that's something that Jesus came to restore. It's like, come into my presence to be refreshed. Don't hide. Amen? He felt shame, and in response, he covered himself with fig leaves, with blame, this woman you gave me, and with shame. He hid himself from refreshing that would stream from the presence of the Lord. Amen. Okay. So um, there's a scripture, and I'm actually intentionally not going to have it put up on the screen. It is John 319 to 21. And this is um, in response to hiding from the Lord, okay? Uh, And this is the verdict. The light has come into the world, but men loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed, okay? So in other words, um, people who love darkness is in like being hidden, trying to hide their works or whatever, you know, it's because when they're doing bad things, they're worried that those bad things are going to be exposed. In other words, that's shame. Amen? So they don't want to come into the light. So then moving on from there. But whoever practices or whoever does blank comes into the light so that it may be seen clearly that what he has done has been accomplished in God. So pop quiz. <laughs> what is the word that belongs in that blank? Okay, so he who does evil hates the light, okay? He who does blank comes into the light. Go ahead and shout it out. What what word belongs in that blank? Without looking at your Bible, if you can. (laughs) He who does evil hates the light. He who does blank steps into the light. Nobody wants to give an answer. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's going to be wrong. <laughs> what are the first things that come to your mind? Good, yeah. Whoever does evil hates the light. Whoever does good steps into the light. That sounds right. Any other responses? What's that? I can hear. Shame? A shame? I can't hear you. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, a shame. Oh, oh, I see what you say. Oh. <laughs> there you go. She's like, I got a poopy diaper. Change my diaper. We're good. <laughs> All right. So you would think that it would be he who does evil hates the light. He who does good is finally stepping into the light. So in order to step into the light, you have to do good. And the more good you do, the more you're in the light. But that's not what that verse says, okay? Some people might think, he who does evil, you know, hates the light. He who does righteousness, okay? If they do righteousness, then they're stepping into the light, right? No, here's what the verse says. He who does evil hates the light and does not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever practices the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen clearly that what he has done has, be, has been accomplished in God, 
okay? He who does evil hates the light. He who practices truth is who is coming into the light. It has nothing to do with good. Now, here we are again talking about the two trees in the garden, okay? Because we get really confused sometimes because there was the tree over here that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then we think that the opposite of evil is good and it is not, okay? The opposite of evil is the other tree, which is the tree of life. The tree of life represents Jesus and Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. The opposite of evil is truth. Amen? This tree produces death. And it doesn't matter if you're practicing good all day long. It is still death. What you have to practice is truth, life, the way, Jesus. Amen? He who does the truth comes to the light so that what comes out of him comes from God. Okay, so here I am, if I'm over here, and I've done something bad, and I'm going to try to make up for what I've done bad by doing something good, I'm still on the tree of death. Amen? So if I am trying to do good, what comes out of me is from me. But if I step over into truth, okay, and now I'm in truth and I'm practicing the truth, what comes out of me is accomplished by God, is what the word says. Now I'm flowing out of overflow. Now it doesn't matter that it's my weakness because I'm moving in his strength and his strength overcomes my weakness. And in fact, he's even receiving more glory for the weaknesses that I have because I'm now in truth. Amen? I'm not trying to hide it with good. Okay? When we're weak, he's strong. When we come with our needs uncovered, we glorify God. When we come with our best good things, we glorify ourselves. Amen? Okay? So when you show your poopy diaper, he'll change it. <laughs> okay? When you hide it, you're stuck with it. Amen? The solution to darkness isn't to try and fix it. It's to expose it to the light. In relationships, it's the same thing. Okay? When you mess up, just come to the tree of truth, the way, and the life. I messed up. I messed up. I'm weak. You know, instead of like, no, you, you, you too. <laughs> right? Come to the light. Come to the truth. I messed up. I'm so sorry, but I own it. Okay? I'm going to show you my poopy diaper. Here's my poopy diaper. Right? That's how we want to be in relationship. That's how we want to be with the Lord. Okay? So truth in the Greek is the word aletheia. Aletheia, if you break it down, A um, is without or the opposite of, like typical and atypical. Does that make sense? So um, A means the opposite of or without. Lethia literally means forgetting. So without forgetting. But lethia is derived from lenthano, which means to be hidden or concealed or to escape notice. So the definition of truth is not um, just not lying. The definition of truth in the Greek is nothing hidden and without forgetting anything. So someone say, nothing hidden. Someone say, without forgetting. That's the definition of truth. 
So if I'm over here and I've done something bad and I'm tempted to cover it with something good, it's like, no, actually that just leads to death. That leads to death and disconnection and I'm trying to hide and it leads away from intimacy. What I'm actually going to do is step over into truth, which means nothing hidden, okay? I'm not going to leave any details out. I'm not going to be like, you know, oh, but you can't see this part of me or whatever. It's like, I'm not going to forget anything. I'm not going to omit anything to make myself look better. It's like, it's just everything's out on the table, okay? Um, This is something that the Lord was talking to me about in a dream. He was talking about the difference between gazing on his presence and engaging with his presence. So um, gazing on his presence is awesome. It's wonderful. It's like what you do when you first fall in love with somebody is you gaze into their eyes and you just look at them and look, they're so handsome or she's so pretty or whatever. It's like gazing is a wonderful thing. But then there's a time that you also engage in the presence of the Lord. You engage with that person. You're going to ask questions, get to know them. There's going to be a back and forth. So the Lord was talking about engaging his presence versus gazing on him as if he's far away. It's like, no, he's actually right here and he wants to talk to me. So we want to ask questions. We want to partner with God. And guess what? Sometimes stepping into the truth, which is nothing hidden or nothing forgotten, sometimes there's things that we forget, okay? But that's what he's there for. We engage with his presence with nothing hidden, and he helps us to remember the things that we need to remember. Amen? We want to engage with his presence. Even in renewing our minds, when we're renewing our minds, it's not about replacing bad thoughts with good thoughts, that does nothing for us. That's not mind renewal. We can do that on our own without Jesus, okay? What we want to do, nothing hidden, come over here. Lord, help me to see anything that I'm missing, okay? And I'm holding nothing back from you, and I'm going to give you all of my thoughts, good, bad, ugly, (laughs) and I'm going to replace them with your thoughts. I'm going to engage with your presence and say, God, how do you want me to process this? How do you want me to see this situation? Give me your thoughts, That's what mind renewal looks like. Amen? Okay. Sometimes we get uptight around prophetic people, and I put that in quotes because that's also kind of a lie, because we are all prophetic, okay? Sometimes we get uptight around quote-unquote prophetic people because we're worried that they're reading our mail. Anyone ever felt like that? I know I felt like that. There's times that I'm like, I will not make eye contact with that person because I see them seeing me and they're going to read my mail right now and I don't want to be read. Okay? Um, Here's the thing. Reading our mail is not going to tell us something wrong with who we are. It's never going to reveal that because who we really are on the inside is gold. Do you remember that truth? Okay? So prophetic ministry should never feel... um, intimidating to us that someone's going to read our mail because the truth is your mail is that you're gold and that it's just going to address something that's covering the gold. Does that make sense? The mail that God wants to deal with is the layers of covering that we've put over who we really are. Okay? Somewhere we've bought the lie that on the deepest level of who we are inside, we're no good and we deserve shame. And usually it's because of stuff that we've done. Okay? But what we've done doesn't get to touch our identity anymore. It's like the moment you receive Jesus, it's like you are gold and it's got a Teflon coating. (laughs) Your sin and mistakes don't get to touch your identity anymore. It doesn't change who you are, period. And it's a work that Jesus did. It's not a work that you did, okay? But usually we receive shame because of something we've done. So we try to cover up the shame that we feel for what we've done, which would be evil, 
or who we are with good things. So we're on the wrong tree. And we add layers and layers of distance between us and God, who is the source of our refreshment, the source of our cleansing, and who is life. Okay? So what we enter into is a big cover-up. Okay? It's, it's the, the big, you know, Watergate scandal or whatever. It's like what we enter into is a big cover-up. Okay? Adam and Eve covered with fig leaves. What does that mean? Fig leaves look good on the surface. It looks kind of like life. It's like, oh, that's growth, right? It looks like life, except that those things are dying away. Okay? It's like the emperor's new clothes. Have you guys ever heard that story, the fairy tale or whatever? The original fairy tale, not the one with the llama. Llama face. I don't know if anyone knows that movie. <laughs> okay, the emperor's new clothes. The, the original story is that some shyster came up to the emperor and sold him some clothing that was invisible. <laughs> invisible. Ripped him off, sold him this clothing, okay? And he puts on this clothing, and actually the truth is he's buck naked, okay? And he got shysted, <laughs> and now he's walking around, and no one wants to tell him the truth that he's naked, okay? This is what it looks like to try and cover up with fig leaves, okay? The thing that we're trying to cover up with is what's actually humiliating us, okay? We're, we're trying to fix a problem with something that's just going to humiliate us more. Amen? So we have a problem or a need or a pain. And by the way, having a need is not shameful, Having needs, are, it's not shameful, it's not shameful, it's not shameful. Everybody has needs, okay? Everybody has needs from God, everybody has needs from people too, okay? It is not shameful to have needs. But what happens is that somehow that need doesn't get met, or we experience pain, or, you know, whatever that is, and then we feel shame. It's like, well, I must be bad, I must not be worthy, you know, whatever the lie is that comes in, um, we feel like um, we need to be shameful and we hide behind layer after layer of coping mechanisms for the shame that we feel, okay? So remember again, the truth is, I'm gold, I'm righteous. That's who I am in the innermost part of my core, okay? But let's say I do something bad that doesn't alter the fact that I'm gold, but I experience pain and then I buy the lie of shame, I'm going to do a little costume change here real quick. And my hair is all messed up now. <laughs> Woo! Okay. Shame. Okay. I bought the lie. Now what I think is, this is who I am. This is who I am. And when I feel like this is who I am, I feel empty, I feel scared, I feel naked. Okay? Um, I'm, I'm telling myself, this is who I am, I'm not good enough, I deserve shame, I did bad things, and maybe it's true I did bad things. But instead of coming to the light, here's what I try and do. Actually, I'm going to blame somebody else, and this is my blame jacket. Or I'm going to deflect, or I'm going to use pride, 
and I'm going to say, actually, no, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as your shame. <laughs> and I'm going to cover, you got poopy diaper. You got poopy diaper. And I'm trying to cover my shame, but actually, it's not covering it, and I know it. Okay, so I'm trying really hard to cover my shame. I'm still in pain. I still have needs that aren't met. And so then I'm like, you know what? I've got pride. I've got these things that I'm trying to work on. Look at my righteous coat of good works. I do good works. I'm working in the church all the time. I'm at the church every time the doors are open, and I am a little more righteouser than you are. <laughs> All right? So I've already got the, pri- the, the pride under here, trying to cover up, and now it's like, oh, look, but look at my good. There's shame under there, and I've done bad things, but look at my good. I have so much good. Look at my good. Nobody look at my shame. Okay? And I try to hide behind those things. And then it's like, no, that's not enough, because I still know that I'm shameful, and I still know that there's pain and unmet needs. So then... But I'm approved of by people. So I'm going to put on airs. And whatever that looks like, maybe I'm in a mom's group. And I'm going to have my hair super done every time I go. And I'm going to tell everyone how wonderful my children are. And I'm never going to tell them that I ever have a problem in the world. And my kids always get along, right? And I'm going to cover up because I need people to approve me. And all the while, shame tries to peek out. And I'm trying to cover it up with my pride, with my good works, and with, no, people like me. No, they really, really like me. I'm worth something. Okay? And my problem is actually getting worse. Okay? I still feel the shame, but wait, wait. No, you know what? Let's just get really busy. Okay, I'm going to work all the time, and I'm going to throw myself into my job and my work, and I'm going to make tons of money, and I'm going to hide behind the fact that I'm so busy, and maybe I just, like, will forget all the shame, and forget all the pain, and forget all the needs, and still it's poking out, and I spend my whole day doing this, trying to cover the shame that never, ever goes away, because I'm trying to cover it the wrong way. Amen? Okay? Well, maybe I'm going to cover it up with some accomplishments. Wait. Wait, no. Wow, this covers so much of me. I've done so many amazing things. Look at my degree. Look at my intelligence. Oh, my goodness. I perform so well. (laughs) I perform so well. And I'm tired all the time. And I'm hot. And I never get any rest. And I feel pressure all the time. I never feel refreshed. I'm always hot. And I'm doing this all day long because I'm like, please don't look at my shame. Please don't look at my pain. Please don't look at my needs because it means something bad about who I am. So I'm going to cover it some more. And then finally... I'm going to have a major shield. (laughs) Now I have my armor on. And this armor might look like arrogance. It might look like anger. Don't look look at me. Don't talk to me. Okay? It's going to be some form of self-protection. I have my armor on. Okay? And I'm still going to spend every day doing this and move all my works into place. And guess what? I start getting mad at God. And I'm like, God, why is this so hard? Why are you doing this to me? Why, how come I'm not enjoying my life? Like, what is going on? Like, obviously, like, I'm bad, but like, I can't perform for you anymore. Like, I don't understand why my life is like this. 
I don't understand. I feel pressure from people. You know what? I don't, I don't want to be around people anymore. I feel this when I'm around people because I'm trying to cover up and I'm trying to hide because I'm not good enough. And that's the truth that I believe because at the heart of things, this is what I think I am. And I bought into a lie. And then I tried to fix that problem and I made my problem worse. And I've created more separation between me and God. I've created more separation between me and you and the people around me. I have armor this thick. And guess what? I'm only going to feel comfortable with other people that look like this. You know? If I see one of you walking around like Ember, I'm like, how do you live like that? I don't know how, like, ah, I'm sorry that you had a problem today. I don't have problems. (laughs) So glad I have all my armor on. Right? I'm only going to feel comfortable around people that want to keep this lie going for me. Right? Don't tell me how humiliating I look. Right? I'm going to want people to get into my self-deception. I'm not going to want people to tell me the truth. Why don't I want people to tell my truth? Don't, don't read my mail. Don't read my mail. Don't read my mail. Because I'm worried that you're going to see this. But that's actually not who I am. Amen? So we hide behind jackets. We hide behind false selves. But this gets heavy. And then heat comes. It's restricting. I can't keep it up, and I know it. Amen? I'm not even sure if there is a real me anymore. I'm afraid of what's under there. I don't even know, okay? I think that God and people only love all these layers. So then I don't feel known, ever. I never feel known. Um, I am completely self-conscious because I'm doing this all day long, trying to hide the shame. So I really can't love others as I love myself, and I really can't love God because I'm so concerned about me. Wow, it's getting hot in here. (laughs) I'm completely self-conscious, and I'm not God-conscious. And I still always feel the underlying shame, and I still feel the pain. I still have a need that's not met, and it's still poking out. And it's screaming to be filled. Now, my overeating problem is not the real problem. It's that I'm actually coping with pain with bad things. Okay? My pornography problem is actually not my problem. The problem is it's yet another coping mechanism for the pain that I felt and that I've been in all this time. My addiction problem is not my problem. My problem is that I'm trying to numb the pain that's under all this crap. If I would just get off this tree of trying to display my good and I can just come over here and have nothing hidden and just say, God, I feel shame and I need your presence to come into these places or come into this place in relationship with trusted people, have nothing hidden, have people love me in my shame and then I get to be free from all of it. Amen? So good. God's so good. I need to come out of hiding and into the presence with my shame and pain. The problem is not the problem. The problem is my very destructive attempts to try and fix the problem. I can will myself all I want. I'm going to eat healthy today. I'm not going to eat the entire cheesecake today. <laughs> I can will myself. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep my thoughts pure. I'm going to keep my thoughts pure. I'm going to keep my thoughts pure. Right? I'm not going to feed into that addiction today. I'm going to cast out 80 demons. 
Demons of overeating. <laughs> now, there's times that there's demonic attachments. I am not taking that away. Absolutely cast out demons when you sense they're there. But what is the real problem? Amen. Amen. If we never address this, you can make declarations all day. You can cast out demons all day, and you're still going to have your shame and your pain that never gets dealt with because you're trying to fix it the wrong way. So what happens is that we finally get to come into truth, and we say, we say, Lord, I want nothing hidden, okay? We come into truth, nothing hidden, we embrace truth. The truth is never going to be that you're ultimately a bad person. God isn't concerned about your behavior. He's concerned about what you believe, what you believe about him, what you believe about yourself that's causing you to respond like this. This is what he cares about. So I come into his presence, and he's like, hey, I love you so much. I might need help taking these jackets off, actually. <laughs> you might have to squeeze them off my sleeves here. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sometimes it looks like this. God's like, take this off. <laughs> and layer by layer, he says, you know, you don't need the armor. You don't need the anger. You don't need the self-protection. And it's like, okay, I've got nothing hidden. Okay, take, take my accomplishments Okay, I'm not going to try and hide behind that anymore. I can't keep it up. I could never be smart enough. I could never get enough degrees to cover up the shame. And then take my busyness. I'm just going to stop moving like Martha. I'm going to get into your presence and just like, God, I need you. And then take whatever this is, <laughs> approval of people. Okay, um, I, I can never be fulfilled in the approval of people. And wait, no, this is the hard one. My good works, but I'm so good but I'm so good. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop sure. striving with my good works, Lord. Okay, here you go. Okay, now I'm feeling more and more naked. It's feeling more and more vulnerable. But it's like, okay, God, I don't want to have anything hidden. I give up. This is what surrender looks like. I give up, okay? But I still have another layer. And here's the thing. Remember that part about truth? That means nothing hidden, but also nothing forgotten, okay? Okay? I might have put this layer on when I was five years old. Maybe I put this layer on of, you got poopy diaper, of no, you, blame, or whatever, whatever that layer is, okay? Maybe I put it on when I was 12, and I don't even know that this isn't me. Like, I don't even know that, like, this doesn't belong here. So that's when I come and I say, Jesus, I need your presence, okay? I want you to show me, confront me. I don't want to walk around humiliating myself. Confront me. Tell me the things. It might hurt in a moment, but I need all these layers taken off of me. And so he comes and he removes that layer. And then here I am in the presence of God and also in the presence of some people that I, I trust, that I can be absolutely vulnerable with. And I can say, Ember, I'm ashamed. Like, I've messed up in my life, like, like this and like that, and X, Y, Z is what I've done, and this is what I feel. And Ember can come to me and put her arms around me and say, I love you in your shame. And I've been there too. And I've messed up, and we all mess up. Welcome to the human race, okay? And I get in the presence of God, and I'm like, God, I feel shame, and I messed up, and I've like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but here I am. And then God brings his refreshing. And then he brings us the truth and he says, this is not who you are. 
This was never your portion. I didn't put this on you, and this doesn't get to touch your identity anymore. And he's like, take that off. It was for the shame set before me, like that I despised the shame, and that's why I endured the cross for you, because I despise shame. Amen? <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I, I am a perceiver. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was not fast. Enough. Where were you I'm 10 so seconds sorry. ago? <laughs> I know, right? I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right. This is who I am. <laughs> Amen. So glad we're not live streaming now. <laughs> Real and vulnerable, right? <laughs> this is me. So, <laughs> this is who I am. Okay, this is actually who I am. I'm pure. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. When you dig through the layers, I don't have to worry about someone reading my mail. Okay, because this is what they're going to find every time. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how how long you've done it. Okay, that's the truth of who you are under all of the layers. Okay, engage with the presence of God. So only you can decide whether or not you allow God and people into your inner world. You're the only one that can decide that. You are the gatekeeper of your soul. Okay? So what we want to do is repent, think differently, return, come into his presence, be wiped, let him perform the work, don't try to help him. Does that help the Lord? Does it give him more work to do, right? Let him do the work, he performs it, and then we're refreshed. I, I literally am really refreshed right now. <laughs> it, it was super refreshing a second ago. <laughs> All right. It's refreshing. We get to be refreshed. Amen? Okay. Find trusted people that you can be vulnerable with. And here's what I love. This is what it looks like to engage the presence of God and to invite him into that process. It's what, I love what Bob Hamp says. Bob Hamp says, um, God, if you show me, I'll look. It's as simple as that. So it's not this, you know, oh, I'm going to repent and I'm going to work really hard. No, it's like, no, I'm going to repent. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think differently. I'm coming into your presence. God, if you show me, I promise I'll look. And that's all it is. And you just wait for him to show you stuff. Amen? We, we have to enter into his presence. Counseling is very, very helpful. I highly recommend counseling. But counseling and the presence, hugely, hugely important. Amen? And then when you do those things and you're refreshed, what flows out of you is not going to be from you. It's going to be from God. Amen? You bring him your weakness. You bring him your needs. Anything that you've got going on. And then guess what? He comes and he brings his strength. And now you're flowing in his power. And what comes out of you is from him. So we've been talking a lot about the glory realm and the glory of God. And that's just like, that's just the cry of my heart. It's something that, that Lord has like put in my DNA. It's just like about his glory. It's like it's, there's a difference between like the anointing and then the glory of God. Like the anointing is like, okay, I have an anointing for healing or I have an anointing to preach one day or whatever. And it's like as I you know, partner with the Lord, there's an anointing that comes and breaks yokes. When the glory comes, it's like nobody mess it up. <laughs> just everybody be still because God's just doing stuff. It's like there's an ease 
that's just like the weight of his glory. Sometimes you just know stuff. People just get healed just because his glory is there. It's just like, I don't know how else to describe that. Um, but we were uh, in intercessory prayer the other day, and um, we started just entering into that glory realm. It's like you can feel it. We just, we just engaged the presence and just like, Lord, whatever you want. We're in the glory realm, and I feel like I'm just like ascending before his presence. And then suddenly I get this feeling that there's a spotlight on me. It's like in my mind's eye. And I see the spotlight on me, and I see angels like working all around me like they're prepping me for heart surgery in the glory realm. And they're like super, like they're busy, and they're moving, and they like, you know, have all these moving parts and stuff, but they like know exactly what to do. Like I got the impression it's like, this is not their first rodeo. Like, they know exactly what tools are needed. They know exactly what's needed. And they're prepping me for heart surgery with the great physician. And it's like the Lord was showing me, when you enter into my glory realm, I can come and bring healing to your heart that, like, you don't even need to work hard. You're just laying on the table. And he's doing stuff, and he's changing our heart. He is more than capable, more than able to heal our wounds, to bind up our wounds, and to put back our shattered hearts, our broken hearts, and put them back together. So I'm like, can I just live in the glory realm, Lord? I'm like, that's amazing, okay? So it's like, yes, let's pursue every, you know, endeavor toward healing and inner healing. Let's seek counsel. Let's get in, you know, uh, the presence of people that we can be vulnerable and real and be community and koinonia and be there for one another, refresh one another, but also entering into his presence, engaging with his presence in that glory realm. And he's doing stuff that we couldn't even, it's like he can do stuff in a moment. Amen. We need all of it. You know, something that's been on my heart lately, and we're, we're coming to a close, is, um, you know, I, I don't know a ton about the situation, but um, I'm sure you guys heard the, there was a pastor, I believe in California, that uh, took his own life. And it's so sad. And, like, I, I, I don't want to judge any situation. I don't know what happened. I don't know that community. And so, like, there's nothing that I can say about that. But the thing that it reminds me is how much we all need to feel known. Like, how much we need to be able to allow people into our inner world. Now, I don't know that situation, and maybe there was people banging down his door and he just didn't allow people in. I don't know, and I can't begin to to say that. But it's, like, that much more important to me that when I look at church and when we do church and stuff like that, it's, like, what is actually important You know, like sometimes it's like there can be this pressure to like perform, do the good works and, you know, volunteer. And, you know, it's like, yes, we need volunteers, you know, but it's like, what's really, really important? How are people's hearts doing? You know, like, are are they coming into the presence of the Lord? Are they being changed? Amen. Because if we're coming in and out these doors and everyone's staying the same year after year after year after year, it's like, we're not prioritizing what we need to be prioritizing. And I'm like, I don't know if that's the church that Jesus would recognize. Amen. And this is, it's not condemnation or anything like that. It just puts a fire in my heart of like, we all need to make sure that we can feel known, that we're being real, that we're doing nothing hidden with God, that we're doing nothing hidden with some people around us that we trust. Amen. Jesus loves us so much that he's willing to confront our hiddenness, even if it makes us uncomfortable. Hiddenness blocks intimacy with him, It blocks intimacy with other people, and it's only intimacy with him, the living water, the refreshing breeze, that will satisfy and heal all those places of pain and shame. So let's just all close our eyes for a minute. And I just want to 
just ask you a couple questions. Maybe you've put on some layers of protection between you and God. Okay? Just with, with eyes closed, just even for my own, you know, my own knowledge or whatever, just if you uh, just could raise your hand if that's something that you feel like you've done. You have layers of protection between you and God. Okay? Okay, maybe, maybe you have nothing hidden between you and God, but do you feel like you have layers of protection between you and people? You just raise your hand for a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so the truth that the Lord wants us to, to get this morning is like, we need God and we need people. The Bible says in so many places how we can refresh one another. But it's like we can't refresh one another when we don't know, you know, who's thirsty. Sometimes the wounds we get in community can only be healed in community. It's like those wounds that we got as a child of just rejection or, you know, being bullied or whatever, whatever the things. Maybe it was abuse. Maybe it was horrific at the hands of people. Maybe it was women that mistreated you. Maybe it was men that mistreated you. Sometimes those wounds can only be fully healed in community when you have women around you coming in and embracing you and loving you, when you have wonderful godly men surrounding you and showing you that there are good men out there. And the Lord wants to come and bring his truth to you. Yeah, so Lord, we just ask you, would you just give us grace to let go of our hiddenness? Do you just pour out your grace upon us, Lord? I thank you, Father, that you never, ever, ever want us to experience shame. That you died on the cross so that we would not have to experience that. And we just embrace the truth right now that we are gold through and through and through. That we are the righteousness of God in Christ through and through and through. And right now, in the name of Jesus, we just break every lie of shame right now in Jesus' name. And any demonic strongholds or demonic little things trying to hang on to that shame, we just say, go in Jesus' name. You have no place near the children of God. Lord, help us to let go of the hiddenness, to come into truth, to practice truth, to practice truth with you, to practice truth with ourselves, to practice truth with our loved ones, Lord, to just say, here I am. I am not perfect, and I'm not going to cover it up. And I'm not going to try to cover it up with good. I'm not going to try to cover it up with excuses. I'm not going to try to cover it up with defense mechanisms because I am not shame. And I don't need to feel shame. So I just say, here I am, Lord. And just come and refresh me. Come and wipe me clean. Come show me the way. Lord, show us as people how to embrace people who are encountering shame. That we wouldn't further shame them. Because we're carrying layers that we don't want to take off. Lord, show us how to be real. Show us how to show empathy 
and say, yes, I've been there too, and I love you, and I know that your mess isn't cleaned up, and you're sitting in your poopy diaper, but I'm going to hold you while that poopy diaper is on, and I'm not going to wait for you to clean up to tell you that you are worthy of love. Lord, give us the grace. Give us that anointing of love. I thank you that there's more than enough love from your heart when we connect to you for all the people's messes around us, for all of the people's things and even our own things, Lord. There's more than enough love that you have to pour out for our faults, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. And Lord, we just come before you, Lord, and we just make the commitment. We just say, God, if you show me, I will look. Lord, would you come in those places that maybe we've forgotten, those places that maybe we don't know that we have a defense mechanism. Lord, if you show me, I will look because I believe that you are good. You are good. You are good. You are good. And I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. I am gold. I am righteous. And that's who I really am. And we just thank you for it, Jesus. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen.